Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's evening news on WSB. And I have been telling you all this was coming. And well, now that it's here, I don't have a lot of, I've only got about 50 tickets left. Uh, the vice president of the United States of America will join me at the resurgent gathering uh, in Atlanta this weekend, uh, August 2nd and 3rd. I am not at liberty to tell you which day he's coming yet um, because of some of the, the security requirements and whatnot. But the vice president will be there along with Governor Bill Lee of Tennessee, Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia, uh, Senators David Perdue, Tom Cotton, and Tim Scott, and Congressman. Doug Collins, Jody Heiss, Mark Meadows, Chip Roy, uh, and a bunch of other people. Uh, They're all coming. The vice president of the United States, though, will be coming. Uh, He will spend 30 minutes on stage at the resurgent gathering. If you would like to see the vice president, the governor, or any of the rest of them, this really is your last chance to text Atlanta to 345-345. You will get a link back, and you must click the link and register to come. And tickets are now really limited. We could sell out this hour. Uh, I, I mentioned this at the Carathon, and uh, the tickets were gone within five minutes. So um, y- you better be careful. Uh, time's running out. Don't dawdle. I think we got 50 tickets left. We were actually going to have more. We were hoping to have about 700 to 800 people there. And some of the changes the Secret Service made us make to the room uh, curtailed the number of people we could fit in the room. So there you have it. Uh, You want to come see the Vice President of the United States in Atlanta this week? Uh, Text Atlanta to 345-345. Follow the link. Get your ticket. Now, uh, we need to talk about the President of the United States, who I've got to tell you, I have concluded his use of Twitter is an art form. I don't think he should have tweeted what he said about the congresswomen go back to where they came from. I don't think he should have done that. And I don't think he should have gone on a tirade about Elijah Cummings and Baltimore. I I, I don't think he should have. I, I think his mean tweets distract. But I'm coming to appreciate the fact that Though I don't think the president should do these things, it is clearly abundantly obvious to me that they overplay their hand, the the Democrats do, in their response to the president. And so while the president may do some things I wish he did not do, the Democrats in their responses to the president, well, they do things that many, many people absolutely fundamentally think are insane. People have largely banked on the fact that the president is a non-traditional politician, and they assume that the Democrats have some traditional politicians. Well, not necessarily. Um, What the president has done is he's forced the Democrats to respond to the president in ways that put the Democrats in positions even more unfavorable with the public than President Trump. It's almost as if the president has already figured out, you know, most Americans don't particularly care for him. And what he's trying to do is to ensure that most Americans care even less for the Democrats than for him. And you can say that's an insane strategy, but look at what's happening here. The president tweeted that Baltimore was a um, rat-infested, basically garbage city, a, a murder capital of America, whatnot. And it's true, uh, Baltimore is a terrible city. What the press did, uh, the, the, the lily-white progressive millennials in the media all rushed over to Baltimore to the waterfront area. And that's important 
because the waterfront area in Baltimore is a tourist trap. And all of Baltimore's resources go to ensuring that the tourists never encounter actual Baltimore. I mean, for God's sakes, people, there's a reason homicide life on the streets was centered in Baltimore or The Wire or, or you name it. Uh, Baltimore is a is a near third world kleptocratic murderopolis. It's, it's, this is just a statement of fact. You can think like I do, the president shouldn't have tweeted this, but it's also a statement of fact. And I'm pretty sure that tomorrow the president could wipe out half of the progressive movement and most of the media by tweeting that human beings breathe oxygen because the media will promptly declare him a racist and start inhaling carbon dioxide to prove him wrong. I mean, if the president were to tweet that the sky is blue, the press would label him a racist and say it's green. Or they would argue about refraction of light through the atmosphere just so they could prove the president wrong. It is absurd that they're doubling down on defense of Baltimore, the nation's murder capital, claiming that it's not a terrible city and then grossly misrepresenting and distorting Baltimore by showing up at the one area of the city where all the police resources go to make sure tourists never encounter anyone bad and ignoring the rest of the city. But that's what they've done. But they're also defending Al Sharpton now because the president's taken on Al Sharpton. This isn't really the way to win back the blue-collar voters who voted for Obama and then voted for Trump. And I think the president realizes that. Um, The president now has the Democrats taking very weird positions. All through his tweets. So to review, the president told these four congresswomen who are Americans they need to go back to where they came from, only one of them being an immigrant to this country, an immigrant refugee. Uh, most Americans were offended by the tweet. Um, whether you were or not doesn't matter. We're talking most Americans in the polling, and the polling isn't wrong, uh, saying they were offended by the tweets, but also that it doesn't change their opinion of the president. And see, this is where I think the media misses the mark in how they process this. Most Americans understand that President Trump is who he is and is not changing. And that now factors into the equation. Some members of the media say the media has normalized this behavior by the president. I don't really think that's the case at all. I think at this point, all of the polling suggests that most Americans don't particularly care for the president personally, even if they like the job he's doing. And they've already factored into this and into the equation that the president does stuff like this. So while the media obsesses over it, most Americans don't. They say it is what it is and they move on. But the media obsesses over this and pushes the Democrats to extremes. So, for example, a majority of Americans now say the number one issue, I mean, it is head and shoulders above every other issue, including health care. The number one issue that voters are concerned with in this country is immigration. Now, you immediately process, if you're a Republican, that, well, this is going to help the president because, well, look at the disaster at the border. So that's not necessarily true because Democrats are concerned about immigration as well. They're concerned about it from a different position. However, when you delve into the data, it does turn out that most Americans are concerned about immigration and are concerned by the fact that certain states want to give sanctuary cities rights. Certain uh, Democratic officials want to give illegal aliens government paid for health care. You've now got some Democrats out there saying that we've got to provide uh, abortion 
services to illegal aliens. And most Americans are opposed to all of these things. Most Americans are opposed to giving government uh, health care benefits to illegal aliens. Most Americans are opposed to opening the borders. Most Americans are opposed to giving blanket asylum. Whether you like it or not, again, it's, it's all about the polling. And you Democrats now who don't like these things, don't come to me and argue about the polling in the way some Republicans have, because the polling's actually been fairly spot on on all of these things over time. And what the Democrats don't seem to understand is that the president, through his tweets, are pushing the Democrats further and further to extreme positions. So on the immigration issue, the Democrats are taking the most extreme position. On Al Sharpton, the Democrats are out there defending Al Sharpton as a hero of the civil rights movement, when I think most Americans would disagree. You have Democrats out now defending Baltimore, which all you have to do is Google Baltimore crime. In fact, you know what? Let's do this. Let's let's before I go to go to google.com Baltimore crime and what comes up when you put the C in this is hilarious I have any I've only put in the the, the CR Baltimore space CR here are the here are the Google choices Baltimore crime rate Baltimore crime Baltimore crime statistics Baltimore Craigslist Baltimore crime map Baltimore crime stats Baltimore crime rate 2019 hmm getting a theme there it's not that the president is bad mouthing a, a wonderful city he's not he's telling the truth about a terribly run city in the United States and frankly he and other Republicans should do a better job of pointing out that most major metro metropolitan hellholes that are falling apart in this country are run by a monopoly of the Democratic Party. That's just the reality. Oh, by the way, did I mention the feds have opened a new investigation on the Atlanta airport? Yeah, we'll get to that when we come back. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. The AJC is reporting there is another federal investigation um this time of the atlanta airport uh itself not just the city of atlanta the faa is launching a new investigation in whether or not uh two dead mayors international airport unlawfully diverted revenue to the city of atlanta the faa sent a notice of investigation to the city of atlanta which owns and operates hartsfield jackson uh along with a subpoena for airport invoices from 2016 through mid 2018 and that is important here uh that is important uh, because it it overlays to some degree with the tenure of Kasim Reed into Keisha Lance Bottoms. This does not appear to be an issue with her administration. It appears to be an issue with the old administration that continued going. Uh, the notice says the FAA is looking into whether the city improperly withheld documents. Oh, the city of Atlanta has a problem doing that. So FAA regulations, they prohibit using airport revenue for stuff other than the airport. So you have a huge cash cow that is the city of Atlanta's two dead mayors airport. It is run by the city. It's managed by the city. Everything is overseen by the mayor. It's not even overseen by city council. It's all the mayor. And you can't take money from the accounts of the airport and send them to any other fund. So, for example, you've got a billion-dollar windfall at the airport, and you've got a million-dollar shortfall at the police department. Well, you can't take a million dollars from that airport billion-dollar fund and give it to the police department because all the money collected at the airport, 100% of it, has to go back into the airport. 
so that airports pay for themselves and they're not taxpayer sinks. They're, they're, they're not a trap for taxpayers. Well, according to the FAA's notice of investigation, it appears the city may have used airport money to pay legal fees responding to the federal corruption probe into Atlanta City Hall. You can't do that either. Even though the investigation is about Atlanta City Hall or about their management of the airport, you're not allowed to use the money to cover the legal costs. You just can't. It's it's prohibited. And yet that appears to be what the FAA believes the city of Atlanta did. Uh, very, very interesting. Um continuing to go on it you know i really do think there is an issue to be had here for republicans on uh, cities and the management of a lot of cities uh, in democratic tenure it, it is striking to me uh, whether you take detroit or baltimore or new york city you name it uh, and atlanta has largely been spared this because atlanta has typically had competent mayors who work well with the business community and the nonprofit community in the city to get things done. But, wow, what an anomaly uh, Kasim Reed's tenure is showing to be. And frankly, if we're very honest about this and don't want to score political points, uh, we need to point out that many of the problems that Keisha Lance Bottoms is having, including investigations like this, stem from actions that happened in the prior administration. And now she's left holding the ball, and it's not even her fault. I went up to Barnsley Gardens this week. Man, I love that place. Uh, with everything, I, the vice president coming this weekend, I'm going to be on stage two days in a row for about eight and a half hours talking to people. Uh, new big stuff coming as well. You will soon hear about uh, here at WSB. It's just, it's it's starting to stress me out. So I took several days, went up there by myself, hit golf balls, uh, relaxed. It was wonderful. Um, now we need to move on and to get there. I want to go to Eric in Clayton County. Eric, you're going to be up first tonight. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Uh, my question is that when I hear people talk about meddling that the Russians meddle, and I don't understand what they mean by that. That's such a broad term. It's like, okay, they say Facebook and all that, but, and no voting machine is connected to the internet. And I'm asking this question because Georgia just got new voting machines, but nothing is connected to the Internet for them to hack. So, I mean, I don't know if people realize that before the Internet, the Russians used to buy ads in newspapers and radio, and you just have to be smart enough to know that whether it was right. true or not. So I don't understand. Now it's meddling. I don't understand what they mean by when they say the Russians meddling. So, Eric, that, we, that's, that's we a great point that before before the Internet, the Russians did this as well. Uh, I mean, heck, half of Hollywood was, was members of the Communist Party. That was the whole thing that got McCarthy started, even if he went too far. Uh, you know, McCarthy wasn't wrong. He may have been a bad guy, but he wasn't necessarily wrong about a lot of stuff, uh, at least to begin with. Uh, it's funny to watch uh, the the former communists, uh, Tar and Feather McCarthy, who actually wasn't wrong about everything. Some stuff he was, but not everything. The reason you got to remember the reason they continued to hang on to the Russian meddling is because Hillary Clinton lost. 
and they can't admit they nominated a bad candidate. It's got to be something else. So it's got to be that the Russians stole the election. Well, uh, we know from the FBI, we know from the Senate Intelligence Committee review, we know from Bob Mueller and the like that uh, Trump's campaign was not involved with it. They may have reached out to some people. Some of the folks close to the president may have reached out to Russians, but they didn't get cooperation. They didn't cooperate themselves. And the Russians didn't steal the election. It is a lie to say the Russians stole the election. It is a lie to say the Russians stole the election. What Facebook did, or what what the Russians did, is they got on Facebook and in other places, and and they produced memes and false information about the election. People forget they were doing it about Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump both. It was only towards the end they decided that they really could benefit by messing up Hillary Clinton's world. I don't know that the Russians even knew that Donald Trump could win, but, I mean, we're talking a, a, a few people on social media persuaded by Russian memes. This is all a mythology from the left because they can't admit Hillary Clinton was a terrible candidate. If they could admit, we could have some more honesty in the conversation, but they're really, the Russians did not steal the election. They did not take the election. Uh, The left will want to have a footnote uh, next to Donald Trump. What they should is they should have a footnote next to Donald Trump that says Donald Trump's opponent lost because she did not go to Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. That is how she lost. Now, Dave in Atlanta, let's go to you next. Welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? I'm in agreement with you on that. Uh, there was a commentary on this, uh, Danielle Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L, on Google. In the picture of the hand over the glass, captioned, police admit, you drive to 3940. says there's enough evidence to blame the listeners as two judges. They dictate what I'm to sing in court. And in there, I am, I'm a loan officer. I have a nice house. The interior of my house was in that site somewhere. They took it down so you can't see it. In the picture of the hand over the glass, the guy says, I'm going to make you out to be a potato peeler. I said, but I wear a shirt and tie. I'm a loan officer for HSBC. I make 100 Gs a year. He says, never anymore. The mob screwed you out of that job. And I just dropped off tapes of a judge asking for 10 Gs of a Nazarene church. I think we had a crazy on the phone. I do believe we did. Well, okay. I'm befuddled. We will move on. <laughs> The phone number here, if you're not crazy, is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You're free to call in, provided you can have a certification saying that you're not insane or whatever. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Now, he lied to the call screener to get on is what the deal is. Um, was calling to talk about the president and race, which is where I wanted to go, along with the the voting uh, machine. They're both tied together. The voting machine situation here in Georgia, if you didn't know, the state has issued the contract to get the new voting machines in for the state of Georgia. And the Democrats are having a field day out there saying that this is going to help the Russians steal the election in Georgia. And it's all these terrible, awful Republican racists in Georgia who want to keep Stacey Abrams from winning again and the like. What's happening here is that the media and the left, take Brian Settler, for example, on CNN, is out demanding that anyone who covers the president's tweets call them racist, not allow other people to come on and say they're racist, but that the media themselves, the media arbitrators out there call the president a racist and his tweets racist. 
I'm struggling. I do, I think it was bad form for the president to do his Elijah Cummings tweet, but I'm struggling to see how it was racist for him to point out that Baltimore is an infested city, infested with rats and everything else. You actually had Frank Luntz, the Republican bolster, who's no fan of the president, and uh, what's his name? The, the guy from CNN who worked for Obama. All others saying, you know, this president would never call a white area of the country infested, except he's called New Hampshire a uh, drug-infested den. And you also you've got uh, other people. You've got the president called West Virginia uh, infested with opioids and nobody called him racist for those things because those are predominantly white areas of the country. And yet they're now saying his use of the word infested in Baltimore has race is racial dog whistles. When everything is racist, nothing is racist. It's the same with the voting machines here in Georgia. Democrats are screaming it is racist to provide voting machines for people to vote, that they need paper ballots. Yes, it is a race issue, according to the Democrats. Why? Because they say that black voters have a harder time using electronic voting machines. What does that say about what Democrats think of black voters? Never mind that people who are disabled and the elderly who are the predominant voters of the elderly or the predominant voters, they like the digital voting machines because they have an easier time reading the screen instead of filling out, holding a little pencil, circling the bubble on a tiny ballot. But it's a race issue for the Democrats. And one of the problems, my buddy Dan McLaughlin uh, writes at National Review has pointed out, is that by the Democrats calling everything racist, they have made the word mean nothing. And in making the word mean nothing, we now do have actual racists in this country who are actually out there saying racist stuff, and I'm not talking about the president. But the media would have you believe it's all related to the president. The media and the Democrats have so weaponized the word race that most people in this country understand it is a meaningless word at this point, even though it should have real meaning. And it has allowed people to stand up who really are racist and say, I'm not racist. The media, they just call everyone racist. When no, no, they actually are racist. But how do you say that now? Because, you know, the media calls everyone a racist who disagrees with the media, and so do the Democrats. And that's a real problem we're going to deal with. When a voting machine is racist because it makes it easy to vote, that's insane. And yet that's where we are in this country with the Democrats. I don't mean this disparagingly, and I really don't. And I know some people will take it that way. If you're a regular listener of this program, you know that I actually think highly of the folks at CNN. I worked there for three years. They were very good to me. I, I definitely think there's a liberal bias. I definitely think it is much more of a liberal bias now than it used to be. Uh, I, I definitely think that Trump derangement syndrome has infected large portions of the network. But I still think when CNN does news, CNN does news uh, better than Fox. And I would rather listen to my news from CNN than from Fox. But there's a problem. I can't listen to the news at CNN anymore because CNN is almost perpetually obsessed with Donald Trump and everything has a Trump angle to it. Uh, CNN is providing ongoing coverage of Baltimore, Maryland, and they're they're essentially trying to convince everyone that Baltimore is not the city Baltimore actually is. Baltimore is, in fact, um, a terrible murderopolis. It is a crime-infested drug hellscape. I, I cannot speak more disparagingly of Baltimore um, without running into FCC rules about words you can't say on the radio. But Baltimore, see, no one wants to go to Baltimore. Crime shows in this country center around Baltimore for a reason. 
It is not a good place. There's no reason to defend it. But that's where CNN has gone now, is that if the president says something, CNN has to take the opposite position. Uh, CNN has its various anchors and, and hosts, like Brian Settler, insisting that they be the ones to call the president a racist. And I don't want to watch that. You know, a lot of the media is shocked and appalled by ESPN's new president who did a research project on their audience. And guess what? It turns out that most viewers of sports on ESPN don't want political commentary. Shocking, I know, considering the ratings dive of ESPN. And there are members of the media who are outraged that ESPN is going to abandon social commentary. How dare they abandon social commentary? We need their voices. No, you don't need that voice. People just want to watch the game. And as ESPN has begun to hear, by the way, it's interesting that the viewers who are most likely to want political commentary are Democrats. Republicans and independents don't. It's like Democrats need affirmation these days, and that's part of CNN's problem. CNN, I know I'm bouncing between ESPN and CNN, but but let's go back to CNN here. CNN wants to be an objective news network, but also wants to affirm liberal worldviews and tell liberals that everything they think is true. They want to be the poor man's MSNBC, and that's unfortunate. Uh, They could be a real news network, but they've decided to affirm liberal biases and make everything about the president. I would love to watch CNN, the cable news network. I don't want to watch CNN, the anti-Trump network. Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let's talk about Georgia politics for just a tad here. Um, It is interesting to me to watch Teresa Tomlinson essentially take now let let me say if you if you're not keeping up on this we have two announced uh democratic candidates it is very interesting i see a piece by greg bluestein at the ajc and what is that um he has someone uh tamar hollerman uh with him there at the ajc credit where it's due and it's um it's interesting to me that the ajc is noticing there aren't any black democratic candidates running where are they? We have uh, Ted Terry, the mayor of Clarkston. We have Teresa Tomlinson, the former mayor of Columbus. We may have Sarah Riggs Amico, who ran for lieutenant governor unsuccessfully. We don't have any black candidates running in the Democratic primary for the Senate. Uh, and some Democrats are worried that could not energize the base and meanwhile what we also have and and i genuinely am fascinated by this i I really really am fascinated by this uh teresa tomlinson was not a progressive mayor in columbus muskogee county she was certainly a democrat and there were certain areas where she did push on on social reform 
but she was a fairly status quo Democrat. And, and when she first launched her race for the Senate, she essentially wanted everyone to know she used to be a Republican. The Republican Party left her. She didn't leave the Republican Party. She now considered herself a, a Democrat, but she was not one of those spooky Democrats who would go after business. And yet now, because of Ted Terry's entrance into the race, the the, the mayor of uh, Clarkston, who was on uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, the Netflix one, not the old one, and doing his makeover and stuff, and he is super progressive, suddenly she is embracing every idea possible that she can on the left. Uh, The latest is marijuana. There's also abortion. Uh, Teresa Tomlinson has now said that a, a child is not a child until the child uh, exits the womb. Therefore, the woman in Athens who was shot and killed with a four-month-old uh, child uh, in her, that she should not be charged with, the, the murderer should not be charged with killing two people, just one, because it wasn't a, a human being. I mean, th- these, these are steps so far out of line with everyone And yet she feels the need to be as progressive as possible to combat Ted Terry's entrance in the race because she really wants this. Meanwhile, you've got the AJC noting that there aren't any black candidates in this race. You're not going to have any statewide races except the Senate race and the presidential race. Stacey Abrams is not going to run for president now, it appears. She's going to save up for 2022. Meanwhile, you've got the situation shaping up in in Georgia where there are strong rumors coming out of the Democratic Party that Jen Jordan, um, the the Senate's chief abortion advocate, wants to run for governor against Stacey Abrams. And and Jordan's going to pull out all the stops to help the Democrats take back the legislature so she will have a claim to beat Stacey Abrams. You're watching the crack up of the Democratic Party in Georgia, and no one seems to be paying attention to it. Now, why is this happening? Well, there are some reasons, and uh, do I explain them? Because I don't want to paint a path forward for the Democrats around this, but I, I don't think they can save themselves, so we might as well discuss why it's happening. So here's the problem for the Democrats in Georgia. They misinterpreted 2018, and they misinterpreted it pretty badly. But because they misinterpreted it, they are running a dangerous game now for their future. Now, what do I mean by they misinterpreted? Well, what happened in 2018? Stacey Abrams did not win. Nor did Stacey Abrams come close to um, come close to getting into a runoff. But the Democrats built a mythology that Stacey Abrams not only had it stolen from her, that she should be governor. And in so doing, the Democrats have decided they must run hard left in Georgia to mobilize new voters and generate enthusiasm because that's what Stacey Abrams did. You see, when Stacey Abrams won in 2018, what Stacey Abrams said was that she was going to run as who she actually is. She wasn't going to do this thing where you run to the middle or you run to the left and then you run back to the middle of the general. Stacey Abrams ran to the left and she stayed on the left. And the Democrats are convinced she got close. Well, she did to some degree get close. She almost got Brian Kemp into a runoff. She would have lost the runoff. And I think that's widely acknowledged at this point. And so they built this uh, enveloping mythology that she had the race stolen from her because things were unfair. That's not actually true. 
But it's this hard left narration that the Democrats have bought into here in Georgia. And that's problematic because when you actually look at the voter turnout in 2018, and I'm not talking about my opinion here, and I want to be clear, I I will tell you what's my opinion, but I'm telling you the facts right now, and you can feel free to disagree with the facts, but they are the facts. And the facts are that Democrats had a great deal of antipathy for President Trump. And they turned out at presidential levels. The Republicans in Georgia were not expecting Democrats to turn out at presidential levels. And that inundated them in the 6th Congressional District. It hurt them in the 7th Congressional District, although they still won it. And it hurt Brian Kemp in the Atlanta suburbs. Because the Republicans were not prepared for the amount of Democrats who turned out. Here's the problem for the Democrats, and this is where they misinterpret 2018. The Republicans turned out at off-year election levels. Republicans did not turn out at presidential year levels. So you had the Democrats turn out at the level they turn out at in every presidential race, and you had Republicans turn out at a level less than that at the rate they turn out in an off-year election. Well, guess what next year's going to be? Next year's going to be a presidential election year, and Republicans will turn out at presidential levels, and Democrats will turn out at presidential levels in Georgia, and guess who has a numerical advantage? Republicans. The Democrats now have it in their head that the way they're going to keep suburban voters supporting them is that those suburban voters must have gone hard left, and therefore the Democrats must stay hard left to keep them voting Democrat. But that's not actually true. It's not that the voters went hard left. It's that the voters who did turn out in those suburbs and voted Democrat, they turned out as Democrats at a presidential level turnout. And the independent voters who decided to vote Democrat with them turned out because they wanted to check on the president, not because they wanted far left Democratic policies. So now take those independents away who don't want hard left Democrats as a response to the president, because I don't think the Democrats are going to get those people back. Consider the polling on Brian Kemp. Now, the polling on Brian Kemp now has his popularity level in Georgia at close to 60 percent. You hadn't heard a lot of that in the media, but the NBC survey that came out has Brian Kemp's popularity level close to 60% now. Why? Because Brian Kemp's proven himself to be his own man and because a lot of those independent voters who went to Stacey Abrams are realizing the Democrats have lost their minds. So the Democrats are making this big play in Georgia deciding, hey, Stacey came really close in 2018 by misinterpreting the data. And so we're just going to do what Stacey Abrams did, which is we're going to run unapologetically hard left. Well, the data suggests that Stacey Abrams only came close, not because she ran hard left, but because she ran in opposition to Donald Trump. And Brian Kemp was viewed as a proxy for Trump because Trump endorsed him. That's not going to be the case in 2020. You'll say, but wait, Mr. Erickson, but wait, Mr. Erickson, Donald Trump's going to be on the ballot. David Perdue's going to be on the ballot. Won't that help them? No. And here's why. Yes, folks, I left you hanging intentionally. It's called a tease. I'm a professional. It's what I do. (laughs) So before we went to break, I was telling you, you had independents who clearly did go to the Democrats in 2018 in Georgia. And I'm telling you that the Democrats can't presume those people will vote against Trump in 2020, even though the reason they went to the Democrats in 2018 was because of Trump. So why? Well, again, what does the data show? As I mentioned in the first hour of the show, the the data shows that the number one issue for these voters is now immigration. And the overwhelming majority of those people 
lean towards the Republican position. They actually lean towards the president's position on this, of securing the border, building a wall, uh, not giving illegal aliens amnesty, um, and and giving the president the resources he needs to stem the flow as opposed to releasing people into this country and giving them health care. That works against the Democrats in 2020. The other thing that works against the Democrats, and, and Lucy McBath needs to pay attention to this in her district, uh, is, is impeachment. Majority of voters in the 6th Congressional District and the 7th Congressional District oppose impeaching the president, and yet Democrats are now trying to, to rev up among the base the idea of impeachment. And Democrats nationally, in fact, you've got Teresa Tomlinson, the, the moderate-turned-progressive candidate for the Democrats here in Georgia, now waving the banner of impeachment and impeaching the president. She continues to move herself to the left to try to take voters away from Ted Terry, who is a progressive who wants to impeach the president. That doesn't work for the candidates. The radicalism of the Democratic Party doesn't work for them. Uh, my buddy Tim Chapman, who runs Heritage Action for America, sent me a link to something he wrote uh, in the Politico today that, that notes that voters, a lot of voters who don't like the president still like traditional Republican policies. And while they may not care for the president, they're very hesitant to move left because of the Democrats' increasing radicalism. And the president seems to be playing them perfectly on this point. I want to talk about something because of the Carathon last week. And by the way, thanks to everyone for helping out with the Carathon. I really do appreciate it. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's wonderful and amazing to watch the generosity of the WSB listeners out there and the ongoing annual generosity. Uh, I will do internally just for me, you know, I started in my birthday doing a, uh, charity of the month that is local based, but I didn't want to do one for July because we had the Carathon coming up, wanted everybody to save their, their dollars. Uh, but I will have one coming up in August. Um, but I want to talk about something that we haven't had a chance to talk about, and that is the story of the police officers in Cobb County dressing up as road construction workers to give tickets to people who were texting while driving. And I am really opposed to it. I, I am very, very adamantly opposed to it for a variety of reasons. Now, you should know I, I'm not opposed to police officers giving you a ticket for texting while driving. I'm not. I had to explain this to my wife. My wife, now that she rides a Harley, is very sensitive to the people who drive down the road at 70 miles an hour texting and driving uh, and not paying attention to the motorcycles coming by or other drivers or anything else. She says being on a motorcycle, it, it's it just amazing to her how many more people she sees who are distracted drivers. We actually got behind a police officer today who was clearly distracted while driving, um, and he stopped at a green light. And then on a, in a 45-mile-an-hour stretch of road with no one on the road in front of him, wouldn't go over 30 miles an hour and, and kept weaving, would, would hit the brakes whenever there was a curve. And then there was a red light, and when the light turned green, he didn't go. People had to honk their horn at him to make him go. He was clearly texting while driving or something, distracted. So I'm not opposed to police giving, uh, enforcing the law. But I'm really opposed to police officers dressing up as construction workers in order to administer the law for a number of reasons. There are a number of fatalities in this state every year from people who speed through construction zones. Under Georgia law, unless your state police 
you can't give someone a speeding ticket without using a radar unless you're driving alongside them so you could tell how fast they go. There's a quirk in Georgia law, and it's a good quirk, and it's one that I wish was also expanded to the state police. Uh, it used to be, but they retracted it. But essentially, you can't give someone a ticket in the state if they're driving within 10 miles of the speed limit, if you're a local police officer. So what we're going to have here are situations where at some point, if they keep doing this, people are going to say, there's no construction work actually going on around here. These must be police officers trying to go for texting and driving. So I'm not going to slow down. I'm just going to keep driving. And you're reinforcing in a driver's mind that the construction work is not real, that it's police being surreptitious trying to get the people who are texting and driving. You're going to say, well, I'm not texting and driving. I'm just driving. So I'm not going to slow down for these yahoos out there in disguise when it could actually be a construction zone. It undermines the safety of our road crew workers to have the police dressed up as road crew workers to write people tickets because people will stop taking seriously. It's, it's the boy who cried wolf. And again, I'm not opposed to the police ticketing people. I, I'm not. I am I am not opposed to people uh, to the police ticketing people for texting while driving. But I'm really opposed to them doing it through surreptitious means. I actually was in Atlanta, so I have a mount now. Um, there's a great company called Proclips. They make mounts for your phones because in Georgia, you can't hold it in your hand. And I was in Atlanta, I was at a stoplight, and I touched the screen on my phone. I didn't have it in my hand. I touched the screen to dismiss a notification because I'm running a beta, and it kept flashing. Um, And the police officer next to me started honking his horn at me and pointed and shook his finger. And I pointed, it's on a mount. All I did was touch the screen. He he didn't give me a ticket, though, because it wasn't in my hand. I'm sure he would have if it was in my hand. But I, I appreciate them monitoring those things. But at the same time, I got to tell you, it is wrong. It undermines the safety of road crews. It undermines integrity in the police force. It undermines all of the things that the police should want to value. And frankly, I think it puts uh, in jeopardy the safety of road construction crews when the police start dressing up as road construction crews and they're not road construction crews and they can't give people speeding tickets because they're in disguise anyway. We should not be doing this. The police should not be doing this. I think it's very bad form. There's a story out of Arizona similarly situated that I also think is horrible. I'll tell you what that is, lest we see it start happening in Georgia. But first, let's go check traffic with Doug Turnbull. So the state of Arizona now, the police in Phoenix, this is this is appalling. Police in Phoenix, Arizona are going to start pulling people over who are not breaking the law. They're going to start pulling the good drivers over, according to the news, according to a press release. It's, it's not like the, the media came up with this on their own. It's actually a press release. And the press, the, the police department in Phoenix, Arizona, says they're going to start pulling over the law-abiding good drivers and hand them thank you certificates for being good drivers and offer them something at some local gas station. That I would be livid if I were a driver who was obeying the law and the police pulled me over to say thank you. I would be livid, livid. And what happens if the driver doesn't want to pull over? Are we going to have people say, well, I'm not breaking any law. He must not be after me. What What's going on? I mean, it, I this is it's insane. All of this. Look, 
And let's be real clear here. Much of this is a revenue operation. I know we're not supposed to say that, but a lot of it's a revenue operation. Go to small towns in Georgia, it really becomes a revenue operation. There are That's one reason I like the law in Georgia that you can't give someone a speeding ticket within 10 miles of the limit if you're above a 35-mile-an-hour zone because so many small towns in Georgia like to use speed traps for revenue generation. The legislature, it got out of hand. The legislature passed this law, make it made it difficult. Well, they keep coming up with creative ways to run speed traps to try to get people, and the latest now is to dress up our police as road construction crews to try to ticket people. And I get the enforcement of the law. I totally get the enforcement of the law. But you know what you can do? You can have police officers stand at intersections and watch the people at the stoplights holding their phones because you can't do that either in Georgia and give those people tickets. You could also then get the people who are blocking the box. Now, the situation on 17th Street the other day where some idiot decided the, the, the light was about to turn red. He was backed up. So he decided to get out into the intersection so that he could go forward and he blocked all the traffic. You can give those people tickets too instead of dressing up like the road construction crews and making people doubt that it actually is a road construction crew and and so they don't slow down if the police are going to be giving tickets for the loss and i think they should they shouldn't be doing it through surreptitious means it undermines their credibility it undermines the credibility of those they are dressing up as it puts road construction crews in jeopardy by making people question whether or not they even are road construction crews they shouldn't be doing it the way they're doing it i'm wondering when the eco-terrorists turn violent a political operative uh republican political operative put up a thing on twitter today about someone put on her car that she shouldn't drive anymore, that she's destroying the environment. The, the person put it on cars in a shopping center all over the place that people who drove combustion engine cars were destroying the world and needed to be punished or some such. Uh, this comes on the heels of someone attacking frequent flyers on social media for destroying the environment. When do the eco-terrorists actually engage in violence? And will the media hold themselves accountable for going from climate change to climate crisis, scaring people?